and welcome to Entrepreneur Talks, LSE Entrepreneur's new weekly podcast series. We talk to successful entrepreneurs and CEOs to extract strategies and tools to help you on the way to greatness. This week, we have Sam Pasupalak, who sold his language recognition business, Maluba, to Bill Gates for an astonishing $150 million, all before turning 30. He's now studying for a master's degree at LSE. Sam is an incredibly energetic and creative individual. Let's hear what tools and strategies he has to offer. Hey everyone, first of all, thanks for coming. It's a huge crowd, clearly, and uh, very honored to be here. And uh, first of all, this is like an Oscar list of people I'd like to thank. Uh, LSE Entrepreneur Society, of course, Felix, Mo, uh, Kim, uh, Orian, I think I messed it up, sorry, uh, KCL, Business Club, Alvis and Muskan, and uh, UCL Entrepreneurs. So thank you all of you for giving me this opportunity uh, to give a talk about uh, how to sell your company if you do end up doing a startup to Bill Gates. Um, so my name is Sam Pasupalak. Uh, I'm currently doing entrepreneur in residence. It's kind of like uh, not an investor because I have to study in LSE still. So. So the ex-CFO of Google who started this venture firm and stuff, I know we are capital, so I'm basically reporting to him right now. So helping him find the next Google, basically. And, uh, and I, I used to be the founder and uh, CEO of Maluba, which I sold to Microsoft. So I'm, I'm a bit older than most, most people. I was born in 1988, so, so you guys are very, very young. At your age, I didn't even know the word entrepreneur, by the way. So uh, we'll talk about that during the course of the talk. So when so I grew up in India till I was eighteen, right? So and uh, all I cared about was two things. One is cricket, and I really, really wanted to play in the Indian national cricket team when I was like nine, ten years old, and I was I was damn good. But then my at least I thought I was damn good. There's a billion people, and uh, and uh, and it's very competitive. Eleven people make it to the cricket team, but uh, my dad's like, no, you can't do cricket. I mean, you know the typical Indian dad, so. So you got to study hard or attempt to study hard. So I was pretty bored in school all the time. And second is Bollywood. I was very interested in Bollywood, hanging out with friends, watching movies. Very simple person. And I had no idea about computers, to be very honest. And even this book, I would not understand when I was 18. And I, I didn't want to uh, go to school. I wanted to go to school in India, do some arts program or something. Finally, I'm in an arts program. I'm so happy about that, pursuing my passion. Um, I know, I'm, so before I came, so my dad basically filled out my application form to go to University of Waterloo in Canada. He selected the program, computer science, and University of Waterloo is one of the most, I mean, top school in Canada for computer science. And because he did his PhD, my dad has two PhDs, we'll come to that after. But, so, and just before we went, my brother's like, how to use, because all I used to do is like play games, and I think it was uh, Counter-Strike and all that. I don't know if Counter-Strike's popular right now, but 2002, and Spider-Man and all those stupid games I used to play. And I used to know, before I came, my brother taught me how to, how to use email, how to use, well, BitTorrent I used to know. Nowadays, BitTorrent doesn't exist, right? You guys use Netflix and stuff. So, but previously to pirate movies, uh, like 10 years ago, we used to use BitTorrent. And I didn't know C++, C, any programming. I got in, my marks were okay. So I got into Waterloo. So it's like hustling all the time. You'll see that. Um, so yeah, my dad just booked me a ticket, booked me my university, and I just flew when I was 18. And did I really belong to Waterloo? Well, the first computer science assignment, which is supposed to take around six, seven hours the first week, it took me one week 
Like, and I was like crying every night. I'm coming back from. Why am I here? Why am I in Canada? What am I doing in Canada? It's so different country. What am I doing? And uh, and it's hard for men to cry, but men do cry. They just don't show it. <laughs> so, uh, and how to speak English? My English is still not good, but it's it's decent. I mean, and back then I wasn't because I grew up in like uh, Central Eastern India. I speak like Hindi and stuff. So, in English wasn't my first language at all. And getting used to this winter, you know, India we get forty four, forty five degrees in the summer, and Canada is very very cold, like minus twenty, minus thirty. It's like so at the end of first year or even second year, to be honest, I didn't know what a startup was. I actually didn't know what a startup was. I was so naive. I didn't know what entrepreneur was. Like it's such a complicated word, first of all, and and this is very honest, true. And what CEO was, chief executive officer. I didn't know what that was. And suddenly, so Bill Gates comes to University of Waterloo to give a talk, and uh, he it's his retirement tour, and he gives a talk about. Um, how he's how he did so much for um, like how he built his business and how he's contributing to the world uh, through his philanthropic endeavors, and I was very inspired by the talk. I was like, "Wow, this guy is doing so much! Like, what am I doing here?" And and by the way, I had no ticket for that talk, and there's only there were 750 seats I remember uh, to to in that auditorium. And uh, this is small because this is not a Bill Gates talk, but Bill Gates talk had 750. That's the biggest auditorium our university had, and. Um, and I had no ticket, and I basically had to pretend. That's the first time I hustled in my life. I'm a very shy guy. Even now, I'm shy. I had to pretend I'm one of the organizers. Then I had to like steal a wristband. Then I had to distribute T-shirts. And through all that medium, I got into the final line. And this whole security check with barcode and all that stuff. And there was so I came in, and the guys like, "You're not in this. What are you doing?" The security guard, because it's Bill Gates, right? I mean, they have to have high-profile security. And I was like. I was like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I don't have a ticket, kid, but I'm very passionate about this. I would, like to, I would like to see who Bill Gates is. I've heard about him. He's like, he went in and checked, and there was one seat left in the whole auditorium. Someone didn't show up. One seat. And I got in. And, and, and I, that was my first time hustling in life, and I was very happy about that. And I, I was very inspired by the talk that I decided when I grow up, like in a few years when I graduate, I'll actually, I, I can't be like him, but I'll try as much as I can to do something in my life. So I needed to find a purpose in life. I had no purpose in life before that. Like, I just did the bad. I did, I did the student stuff before. Let's put it this way. And uh, and uh, and uh, all my friends like used to because Waterloo is like one of the top schools in North America, like Google and Microsoft. All all my friends worked here in internships because we have an internship program. And I never got any of these internships ever. I got like tier, not even tier two, if this is tier one, there's tier two software companies, there's tier three. I used to work at tier three software companies because I wasn't passionate about coding. I mean, I was in computer science, but I wasn't passionate about coding. And I tried to get an internship in Microsoft, we call it co-op, uh, like three times, like three times and I always failed and it just never worked out. And Bill made a joke at the end, so we had to buy you, but anyways, we'll go to that. So summer 2010, well, I went from like not knowing how to program to working like very, very hard to get a hundred in my course. I created the first prototype of my product, and I was very, very serious about starting coming. I want to show a small 20-second video of 2009-2010, what I was kind of like the, what I was building kind of, and you will see the evolution. You can see, so you can. 
speak to this robot basically this is like such bad quality it's 2009 okay and this robot's going to pick the ball and this is like a vending machine you can imagine like this robot doing things for you say i want coke or something and then i, I was working and you can see me in the background but the robot's falling over and stuff but anyways that's how we started uh, as a school project kind of and then i went to carnegie mellon university for a trip actually my best friend drove me there he's like you'll see him as well in the slides he's like and i met this prof and he, i showed him this prototype of what i built and he's like if you ever create this in your lifetime i'll give you a phd in computer science he's a very famous prof i can't name him because then shit will hit the fans so uh so fall 2010 i was doing this internship in you know uh, i was doing this internship in toronto in a company and this is the robots library where every day after class after sorry after um, finishing work at like 5:36 pm i used to run to the library and and stay till midnight and catch the last bus at 12:10 and still work at home and and that's how that's how i started working hard in life and i started like the conceptual version of our company uh, kind of like you if you know siri you guys all know siri or google now or alexa and stuff it's kind of like that and we we're so happy we won 25000 as a team we i formulated a small team we won 25000 but the week after apple launched siri and we didn't know apple and that's the i thought the company is over what are we doing here apple just launched siri they destroyed us but we persevered so my best friend's name is james simpson he and i have no money right i'm staying in my friend's couch Uh, and my friend's uh, closet actually there's like this thing where you keep your clothes i used to sleep in there for like a few months so he gave me and i didn't want to get a job i i just didn't want to get a job i uh, so he booked me a ticket with all his savings from his internship he had saved $700 from his internship and he booked me a flight and we still have this flight it's like we joke about it and stuff from uh, uh from toronto to san francisco and i stayed in his friend's house and uh, for a few weeks and that's where i found my for i first did my first hustle for my company so i met uh, so yeah i stayed in couches and closets for free until i got kicked out um so i i and again hustle hustling again like so i met so i went to this event where uh, a bunch of startups were presenting and i was not part of that 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 those startups there i was not given the opportunity to present because we're just starting out or we're not good enough and then five startups presented their their products and ideas and there was investors and then uh, they were going to kind of end the event and i just went in and barged in and they just took the mic and then i gave my pitch and samsung guys so saw me they liked me they invested in me so that's how we i got my first investment and then yelp so that's another crazy story so yelp is i guess you guys know yelp they're like the restaurant service provider kind of i don't know if it's used too much here and in in the states it's used a lot actually for yelp basically so again i had no meeting with yelp but we needed this partnership with yelp right so we have to build a siri like product right i mean we have to compete with apple and that was my goal i didn't know much about business or products i'm like we're building some cool technology let's compete with apple let's build the basically the android version of of siri because google now did not exist then so i had to get the partnership with yelp so i went in and then Yelp is a full corporate office with few floors in San Francisco, and uh, and uh, they didn't let me in. Obviously, I have no meetings. I'm like, give me a meeting, please. And then, and then I was so persistent that they had to get security guards to escort me out. And it was it was very uh, very 
embarrassing. You have like three, four big guys who are escorting this tiny Indian guy out. Like, so, so, so uh, very embarrassing. But um, you know what? And then the guy heard that someone's trying to build this cool technology and they emailed me back, right? And then we formed up a partnership with Yelp. So hustling sometimes pays off. Uh, sometimes you're in trouble, but sometimes it pays off. And so we built a team with the money we raised. My engineers used to work very hard. I mean, that's the work ethic we used to have, like, all the time. In fact, I drove some of them crazy, but I'm sorry about that. But for the overall good. Uh, and they were very passionate. So we've hired a very strong team. Always there's all-nighters and programming all the time. And I mean, I wasn't coding. I was managing, but... I'm not that good in coding, actually, or computers, to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we went to TechCrunch Disrupt. It's like one of the best platforms to present, and we presented. And uh, yeah, you can see the headline in TechCrunch, one of the tech journals. We want to compete with Siri. Just declare. We're going to go on war. And uh, we launched our personal assistant. Actually, I should show a video as well, quickly. This is Maluba. This is 2012. I want to hear Flip My Ride by Kahir. Okay. I have a different personal buddy. That's Siri. Directions to my interview. You're welcome. <laughs> Directions to my interview. Show me what's happening today. That's our guy. What's the weather going to be like? So that's how we used to like talk shit about uh, Apple. And we're just a small company with like 20 people, okay? And the Apple executives noticed that. That's how we, I mean, if you do a video like that, it's time. And this is 2012, right? This is like when technology was just starting, Siri was just getting used. No one still uses Siri, but anyways. So, uh, yeah, so we did, so we're launching this Disrupt. We did, oh wow, we're running uh, close to time. So we did, uh, I have a lot of slides to go through, so. We uh, got m nearly half a million downloads, but the v venture capitalists in Silicon Valley didn't agree. They're like, how many users do you have? Is it half a million? That's it? It's not a billion dollar company. What's your business model? How do you make revenues? Why are you competing with Google? And who the fuck are you to do this? That's, that's their, every time I go there, that's the, that's the statement at, who are you? You're like some random student from Waterloo. 
and then there was a coup and then people wanted to remove me from my company and this happens when you start a company this happens all the time i almost got removed but then there was a good board member who actually believed in me in my craziness but anyways uh so we had no money for i remember in 2013 we had no money for our payroll we only had 90000 in the bank which is like two weeks okay i had to ask my employees can you take a pay cut and for some reason all of them agreed and they were uh, they proudly agreed to take the pay cuts and i was very proud that that they took pay cuts and i didn't pay them for a few months i think two months and then i paid retroactively paid them back and there was fear of lawsuit from big companies especially companies like nuance or apple because you're developing similar technology but you're so small so they'll sue you and throw you out of the market and uh, it was very difficult times and i traveled around the world in economy class in this small seat in the shittiest seat ever around all these countries uh, like and i tried to raise investment and i failed very, very much and we ran out of money not once not twice but three times in 2013 and we still survived through hustle luck whatever it is but we still survived very difficult and then amazon comes to us and they had not built alexa then and then the svp and everyone they come to my small little office again 20 people and they say they want to buy my company and it was uh, i think 20 to 25 million was the range and i have no money in the bank and i say no i'm crazy i, I said i want to build a billion dollar company and uh, and people are like you're fucking crazy and 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 my board members that's why that's why they said they want to let me go because any normal and sane human being will be like hey we're going to take the 25 million deal and i just said no and I, and apple also wanted to neg- start negotiations it was again 20 25 million and i just stopped it there when i heard the price i was thinking like 200 but yeah you said 25 sorry and then uh, don't make the dragon angry so there's a com- company in uh, in boston called nuance 12000 person company 20 person company mine and there's is 12000 okay the ceo again comes to because we developed very cool technology in a year year and a half the ceo the product is called dragon actually nuance dragon naturally speaking right he comes to my office and he gives he does fud fear uncertainty doubt has a very nice chat with me but in the chat it's very explicit that he'll fuck me over if i don't sell to his come if i don't sell to him and i did not and then his his uh, corporate vice presidents and all that they tried to call us oh my god they were like stalking me or something and i didn't pick up and they got investment bankers to call me and they were they are known for hostile takeovers anyways now it's sold and done now they can't sue me i don't give a shit so <laughs> so uh, so yeah i did make the fucking dragon angry i don't give us because i care about my company I was basically playing high stakes poker game although I don't know much about poker but that's what I was doing I was that's the game we were doing and enter the savior I traveled around the world right I showed you all the countries western europe japan korea right in waterloo this blackberry that's where I graduated from they came and invested in us it's like so funny that and they were thinking by the blackberry I don't think anyone uses blackberry now but so we basically took money from blackberry and uh, from a sinking ship and we licensed we we made a lo- I, we love blackberry i love, love blackberry personally they saved our ass they're not doing so well so I, I, but for me I, we <laughs> 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 and the guy who did the licensing deal with us uh from blackberries and jerry i hired him as my cfo so they lost a the top executive as well so 
because the guy liked me so much, he's like jumping ship here to a small little startup. So the only thing that kills a startup, in my opinion, is running out of money. And I had a few options. Either we have to pivot because this whole app strategy is not working and we have to do a new strategy and start a new company all over again. And I don't want to get fired. Like my ass was on the line. So the learnings are, please have a business model. If you ever start a startup, don't be like me. Like, oh, you're so passionate and you want to do something cool. No, please have a business model. Don't try to pull a fucking James Bond. Like, it's very dangerous, right? If someone gives you a good <laughs> offer, take it. We almost went bankrupt three times. And never ever compete with Google directly. And we did after as well, anyways. So 2014, so we started licensing our technology for Samsung to so Samsung phones and, uh, sorry, Samsung TVs and LG phones and BlackBerry uh, phones and all those different manufacturers started using our technology. So we launched on 50 million devices. We launched on 10 different languages, English, French, Italian, Spanish, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Russian, Portuguese, all of these engineers from different countries, we had to hire them to build all this. Uh, and we started generating millions in revenues from like nothing to millions in revenues in a few years. So again, turn around because this is the second company I'm running inside that same company. This was the second time for me. And then we thought China is the next big thing. You see, like half the stuff, it is 2016, I think now it's more, is from China, right? So I went to China. I, had a, I built a sales team in China. And, uh, and uh, no, nothing happened. I got, and my board members had warned me, Sam, you'll make zero dollars from China. I'm like, sorry, he pounds here, sorry. I'm, I'm used to like North America. I'm like, why? And he's like, because you're not Chinese. And secondly, you need to have Guangxi, which is Chinese connections. If you don't have Chinese connections in China, you will never be successful in China. And I was so adamant. And I tried for a year and I failed. And my board members were correct. So, so we're doing okay, but not so good. Uh, not as great as we would like to. Everyone was excited. All my engineers are like, finally, our payday is coming. We're going to get so many stock options. We're going to make millions, okay? And just three weeks before the, uh, before the deal was about to be closed, acquisition failed. Like they, and this, they just blamed my engineers. That my engineers failed the interviews. In reality, Yahoo wasn't doing well. That's what the investment bankers. And the offer wasn't that bad. That was $75 million. I was like, I'm not, companies doing okay. $75 million is not bad. So I was kind of okay to take that offer. But it failed, and then I'm like, holy shit. And before this, before I was doing this, I was running out of money again, because you just burned money, right? I was running out of money. So I had gone to investors, got a term sheet for like $9 million. So I went back to investors, said, no, sorry, I don't need your money. And now what the fuck do I do? It's like I have no, I, I, my invest, I have no investment money and acquisition fail. So it was a terrible time again in two years. So I went back, I went back to these investors and said, hey, hello. And uh, uh, are, you, are you still interested to invest in me? He's like, Sam, you crazy boy. <laughs> okay, and then they did, they did invest in us, and we did get shitty terms. I keep telling them, even I met him in, uh, two days ago, my, one of my investors from France. And, uh, but they did invest in us, and we're very grateful for that, because the company would have been done by then. And of course, the employee morale was all-time low. You go from like, hey, we're going to make millions to... Hey, we're back to the gutter. So, and we're running out of money. So, so they did invest in us. Yeah, we had turned down the Series A investors. Clock was ticking again. Few months, we're gonna run out of money. It's a lot of pressure when you have at that time 30, 35 people. 
your their, their livelihoods depend on you they have given up their jobs in google and apple and microsoft and making hundreds of thousands per year they're working for you for not even close money they're only believing in the dream and vision you're selling it's it's very hard you can't lead people on for so long it's morally morally i don't feel morally right right so but there shall be light. I, I love this scene from Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you guys know Lord of the Rings. You guys are probably too young, but, uh, but Lord of the Rings used to be this amazing movie for me, and we used to get inspired by the scene at Helm's Deep when Gandalf comes back with the, with the, with the white staff and tries to save them. But uh, there shall be light. There was always belief inside the team. So, yeah, we did hustle again, got those investors on our board, and they did give us $9 million to save my company's ass again. At shitty terms, but the terms weren't great, but it is what it is, right? You die another day. So that was the end of the second version of my company. Like, I'd call it Maluba 2.0. One is Guangxi. If you don't have connections in China, don't do business in China. Simple. Like, you have to have really good, strong connections with the government. And never compete with Google again, but we still did again. I never listened to that for some reason. And at that point, I'm like, I cannot just build a small multi-million dollar company. I'll build a billion dollar company or go home. And that was the mindset. I had to, I had to go through like, like, a lot of like, it's hard. It's tough when you're running the show for so many years. It's not working out. Sometimes it's highs and lows. It's like so much. It's like an emotional roller coaster. And then the turnaround. So the, this is my favorite guy actually in the world. Uh, Deng Xiaoping. I, I'm sure you guys are like know about him. He's like, he turned China from a poor country to one of the superpowers right now. And his saying is like, it doesn't matter if it's the white cat or the black cat. As long as it catches the mice, it's fine. It does the job, it's fine. So that became my new motto in, in, inside the company. So we're from Waterloo. I went to Lisbon in Portugal. And there's this guy. This is guy's famous in artificial intelligence, okay? And I don't know him. No, he's like so famous. It's like... Like, there's lineups to meet this guy. So I knew this guy is coming. So I planned a one-day. I was in Germany to meet, I think, Audi or Volkswagen or someone. I'm like, I'm going to do a one-day trip and try to hustle him. So I, I, <laughs> there's a huge line of people, right? I just barge in, cut through. Hey, how's it going? Oh, we're planning to start an office in Montreal because he's from Montreal. And we weren't planning. It's like, oh, bullshit. And, 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 uh, and uh, we actually have everything set up. And I just gave him the story. And he, for some reason, he's like, let's go for lunch. I'm like... Okay, and then all these people are so angry at me who were in Vine. So, th so that's how I got him. He's Yoshua Benjiu. I think he's the top three guys, top two, I'd say, in deep learning. He's like the father of deep learning in artificial intelligence. So, and then I slowly got him to be an advisor to our company, as a board of advisors. So he was very important. And that also was a big part of the acquisition. And then we developed some very cool technologies and... This was actually, uh, we beat the world record for, for a number of things, uh, including, like it basically, you take a CNN article, and the AI is going to understand that article, and you can do question answering on it. I'll show you a demo if there's time. I know. And then, when things are kind of going well, I, this happened to me. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? It's like, it's not depression. I don't know. For three days, I was just, I didn't care about the world. Just for three days, and my, everyone's like shocked, like, and I didn't want to eat, I didn't, I don't know what it was. I think it was August 24th or something, uh, 2016, and I just wanted to go back to the mountain, go to the mountains or something, just take a leave of absence, and my parents are like, I think you're just, it's a nervous breakdown, and I called them up and stuff, and I almost gave up, actually, in my car, I was like, okay, guys, we have to find a 
plan for someone to take over. I don't care anymore. Because if you work for five years, 80 to 100 hours a week, and you don't see results, then maybe I'm not that strong enough, but that's what happened. And then, uh, but then I think I, when my parents booked me a ticket, I didn't have money to book a ticket to India, so my parents booked me a ticket. I mean, I used to pay myself the lowest salary in my company to set the standard that if the CEO pays the lowest, that I had obviously the highest stocks, whatever, but, but, but the lowest salary. <laughs> I mean, with responsibility comes that, to show that, hey, like, so, uh, so Sand Hill Road yet again, after getting rejected. So Sand Hill is obviously, you know, this strip in Silicon Valley where all the investors in the world live. And they all know me that this guy comes every year to pitch to us and gets rejected every single time. But this time, the story had changed. This time we had built a Montreal lab for research. We're like the, we're positioning ourselves as the pioneers of AI and deep learning. And, uh, and, and it was actually one of the best times in my life. And I got a term sheet of $30 million from Alibaba and $20 million from Fidelity. And a few other big VC firms also wanted to, I was going to put together $50 million round from like, from struggling to like 50 million. That's awesome. Or acquisition for whatever, more than 150 from Microsoft. So basically, I was playing two games. I was like, I was like, investors, I want to build a big company. I want to build a billion dollar company. And then here, so I met Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft in March of 2016. He really liked me and our company. So he's like, okay, let's start further discussions. And then, uh, and then <laughs> uh, basically, uh, it takes time. It takes a year from the start of conversation to end to close the deal. And it's a very big deal, right? It's a substantial amount of money, 150 plus million dollars. So, um, so Satya basically uh, had directed his SV EVPs, executive vice presidents, to like, okay, take care of Maluba, one of the EVPs. So I was playing that game. Then I was going to Amazon. Hey, Microsoft might be buying us. What do you think? Hey, um, Google, Microsoft might be buying us. Apple, what do you think? So I went to all these guys. I'm playing that game. Then I'm also playing the investment referees for the company. Then, so both of them were kind of going well for the first time in my life after I came back from almost giving up in the company. And at the end... Uh, we decided to go with the acquisition. Uh, it was a good deal for the company. Lots of people became millionaires, lots of employees. Because that's for me, one of the most important part is people who work hard deserve to be compensated in stock. So a lot of my engineers become in, in millionaires. I'm very proud to say that. I'm not million, I mean, sure I'm millionaire as well, but, but my engineers are millionaires. <laughs> that, that's that, and they work for so many hours and, and that's, the, that's, that's why they still love me. Uh, even if I don't work right now, so yeah, Wall Street Journal, Globe and Mail, all these different crazies, hundreds of websites. Uh, fine, and that's my crazy co-founder. He's the smartest guy in my class. And instead of, instead of doing a PhD, I told him, join my fucking startup, and, and then he joined me. So we, we both uh, are a crazy duo. So finally something to smile about after five, five and a half years of hard work. So I sold my company in January 2017. And then we went to the Shire, like Lord of the Rings. Oh, you guys are too young to understand Lord of the Rings, but, but uh, the Shire and Lord of the Rings did a bunch of adventure. And, uh, and then I met Bill Gates, of course, uh, for a couple hours. And actually, he's the most humble person I've seen in my entire life. Look at his clothes. Like, look at that. Like, a very, very, sim very simple person. And the way he talks and he understands... In like few minutes, he understands... How to, I mean, he was looped in for the deal, of course. He's still uh, chairman and stuff of Microsoft. And uh, Chi Lu had told Bill, Bill Gates about the deal, and he was kind of excited. So uh, I met him for a few hours. I was very happy. That was, uh, I guess, the moment of my life so far. 
I guess that's what, that's what the talk is about, right? So, uh, no, I will not go back to Carnegie Mellon to get my PhD. So why was Maluba successful? Why are we... Actually, I put the wrong slide. It's like one in 100,000 startups. That's the, the valuation and everything. It's like for every 100,000 companies, the probability of ma being Maluba is one in 100,000. Sorry, this is old. I did the numbers incorrectly. Uh, one, we solved the right problem. So we're in the right place, right time, right opportunity. That matters a lot. You can work your ass off. Like I worked from 2011, 2012 to 2015, put in hours and hours and hours. It doesn't matter. If you're not working the right problem, doesn't fucking matter. That's the honest truth. Extremely strategic. So, um, I mean, you have to be kind of shrewd in business and strategic. Some people don't like the word shrewd, but, but that's the way it is. You have to be cutthroat and you have to be... Uh, yeah, to, 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 to be successful. I mean, you can be a nice guy and stuff in social life, but in business, you have to be very cutthroat. We hustled our fucking ass off for so many years. And sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it worked well. Sometimes it didn't. So, and we built a team of believers inside. Like, everyone was rooting for us internally, even if they're working so hard. So you have to build a team who actually believes in you. And that was the most important part. If you don't have a team who believes in you, it doesn't matter. You can, have, you can be the best, smartest guy. I don't know, 170 IQ. No one fucking cares. To survive through the hard times, you need to have a bunch of believers. This is a Hindi saying, Suno sabki karo apni, which means like, listen to everyone, but do your own thing. Like, listen to everyone. But uh, I, I actually believe in that. Like, yes, 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 yes. But do what your heart says. If you want to be... That's my opinion. I mean, I can be right or wrong, but... Uh, um, and pick advice from everyone. There's ev I believe everyone has something to offer in life. Uh, like, even, even the person who I see in McDonald's and stuff, they have something to offer. There's something to learn. And I come with that mindset every time. And there's no kind of prejudice. Maybe it's the way I'm raised or brought up, but that's, what, that's how I think. And I always underestimate myself, by the way. I always think I'm average and I'm normal. And I try very hard. And, and, and so then what did I give up? Well, I worked for six, five, six years, whatever, for 80 to 100 hours. I got rejected by more than 300 investors. That's hard, by the way. You have to have super thick skin to do that. Like, imagine going, doing this presentation, not to so many people, 10 people, the same pitch, rejection. Thank you very much for coming in. Such a nice voice. You want water, coffee, tea, all that stuff? No fucking money. We don't want to invest in you. Uh, okay, so inside, the one thing I did kind of ex exercise was, I, inside my boardroom, I used to walk 20,000 steps a day, just like pacing around, phone calls, whatever. That was my only exercise. And I had no life for six years. I, I admit that. So was it worth it at the end? I did build friends for a lifetime from this crazy experience. I, I, I'm proud to say that. Oh, every year I used to travel in the shittiest economy, like the back seat, close to the toilet. Like, you know, the toilet smell in the airplane, especially in 10, 12 hour flights. Like I used to sit in that seat. And I, I remember one of the days I was going to Korea for a day and within 12 hours I had to go back to San Francisco. And both investors rejected me. That was so funny. And my founders and employees were laughing at me. You're crazy. Why did you take that chance? You know it's only the first meeting. I'm like, I got to take a chance, man. But I did get the business experience of like a 50, 60-year-old business guy, for sure, for a Fortune 500 executive. 
Okay, we did end up selling for Microsoft and my uh, employees did become rich, so that was very important. And well, they're all suited up. You saw the picture before, they're all like in nerds in shorts and now they're all suited up after the acquisition. They can afford some better clothes or something. Uh, they don't have to eat pizza anymore. They don't have to drink Coke. And uh, So this was actually day before yesterday. Uh, so this investor invested in me. So we are here at prom. We had kind of had a... So what, remember I was telling you guys um, when I went back to Yahoo and then Yahoo rejected me so I had to go back to the investor. So he had told me, Sam, if you ever do become successful, we'll have champagne at Eiffel Tower. And he's French, so so day before yesterday, he was at France, so we had champagne at Eiffel Tower, it was fun. So, uh, and we had a six hour long dinner. You know how French dinners are, it's cool. <laughs> uh, learning lessons, one, be very, very careful. This is, uh, who you marry in person, I don't give a shit, but, but, but in, in, in startups, who you work with, who are your founders? Who are your core employees? Be very careful. It's like a, it's like a marriage. And, and you're stuck. And you, it's very hard to let go of people, especially the early employees. So I made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot. So only if you're very... Don't, don't jump into it. Like you don't have to jump into it. Take your time. Know the person better. Like at the end, I realized when I'm reflecting back about who, who's at the end, stayed till the end and helped me out and all that stuff... I feel that the people who I know from first or second year in university, like in 2006, 2007, are the ones who actually stayed till the end. So I had a five-year, because ours was a five-year program in university, because you have to do internships, and you guys are lucky. Some of you have three years, so we have to do internships and all that. So anyways, five-year relationship building, very good commitment. Then those are the ones who stayed till the end. It was so funny. And the people whom, from whom I used to copy assignments, I had, a, I had a great relationship with them from the beginning. Um, and they used to know, oh, every time assignment time, oh, Sam's going to come and, and do some talking here and there and build a report. So anyways, this is another favorite movie of mine. Sorry, it's movie related. I thought that people here watch movies. Maybe they don't. In North America, people watch a lot of movies. So this is on The Dark Knight. Again, maybe when you're young and... Uh, this was released, Dark Knight Rises or something. Uh, so uh, in this in this movie, Batman basically what he does is like he's given a rope. So he has to climb from here to another part of the of the well, right? And every time he does it two times with the rope and he fails. But the time he lets go of the rope, he succeeds. The moral is like take your sweet ass fucking time before you are going to jump. Like. And when you jump, there's no rope, there's no, there's no last to save you or something. Then you're going to be successful. So um, that's what I honestly believe in because uh, you have to like completely immerse yourself in it and believe in what you're doing to be successful. You can't be like, oh, I'll have a job, do it at the side, I'll have a life. Doesn't work like that, a at least according to the people I met. Um, no. <coughs> And it's a marathon, not a sprint. You'll be like that guy. If you think it's a sprint, I'm going to work for a year, two years. No, no. You have to plan for five, ten years. And we were lucky, actually. We sold our company in five years. Like, we're one. That's why I said we're one in 100,000 statistically. Uh, but it is very, very hard. So, And you still want to jump in the fire. If you're still crazy enough, then remember these things. One, you have to be super ambitious. Like, you have to be crazy. Like... People have to call you crazy. And it's okay if people call you crazy. You should not give two shits about it. 
and you have to be super passionate here. I mean, you can see my talk. I'm super passionate about this talk. So uh, passion goes with it, of course, about your product, your technology, or whatever company or and whatever in life you're doing. It doesn't have to be selling a company in Bill Gates. It might be, I heard that from Alice, for example, one person, every batch is going to be like a head of state or something. And I was like, oh, wow, these are case. King's College, LSC, all these smart, crazy people. What the fuck am I doing here? But anyways, so even in your team, even in your field, if you're super passionate and you're super ambitious, these same principles apply is what I'm trying to say. Lots of sacrifice. Like you have to sacrifice everything. Like you have to let go. You know, Elon Musk works 100 hours a week even now and he's doing Tesla and SpaceX and, and he's doing, um, and he did PayPal before. He's crazy. And Marissa Meyer used to tell, told me she worked 100, 100 hours per week for so many years. And that's why these executives, are, these companies are successful. And you have to have the skin of a hippo. No matter how many rejections you get and how many things are thrown at you, it should not bother you. I mean, it can bother you initially. It does bother, of course. But then you get so thick skin that you can throw shit at eggs at me. Nothing will happen. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it, so... My, my mantra in life, which I follow every day, is uh, first thing is impossible is nothing. I, I, I do believe in that. Uh, as long as it's kind of uh, realistic. It's, it cannot be like, oh, I just go and go to Mars tomorrow. No, that's not correct. You have to kind of measure, is it kind of possible? So I, I do believe, believe that impossible is nothing. My second principle in life is I live a life with no regrets. I do what I want to do. And if you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to be anything in life, you have to do what you want to do. Because, man, life is short. Come on. We're all going to die soon, right? The whole point is to make an impact or live a very happy life. So you have two options. Live a happy life, make an impact, live a mediocre life. So you choose according. Like that's the, I think most people fall in these three categories, right? And uh, because I'm not going to take all this money when I'm going to die. Like, what am I going to do with all this money now that... I still eat cheap Chinese food. I still go to Chinatown wherever I go. I still rent an apartment. I still haven't bought in anything uh, with the money I, I made. So I'm not going to make the money. I have to think about now. It's like I have to think what I'm going to do. So that's a dilemma. What am I going to do? I worked so hard. I made so much money. Now what the fuck do I do? So I started with a small donation to my university uh, because I have to plan it out over time. I can't just throw away the money and then, hey, I have nothing. Let's do startup again. So that, uh, so I did a small donation to uh, for promoting entrepreneurship and uh, for promoting uh, uh, women uh, in technology uh, because we are tech-heavy school. Uh, so those were the two big projects for me, women in technology and uh, entrepreneurship. And then my mom runs a very uh, small school in a very remote area in India, so I'm helping her out uh, with that. Uh, it's in a very remote area in, in eastern India. And then James Simpson, the guy I mentioned before who wrote, gave me the $700 saving. I mean, he made money from Maluba. He was an employee in Maluba. But I had to return him the money. And he was the Samwise Gamgee for me, if you follow Lord of the Rings. But most of you were young, so probably not. <laughs> so he did help me out a lot. So, uh, so what am I going to do now? Am I going to retire now, go buy an island in the Caribbean or something? I can buy a small island. I can't buy a big one. I can buy a small one. <laughs> So, so 2017, so I left Microsoft six months after I joined, I mean, I sold, and I left in, uh, like, uh, last summer. So first thing I did was bungee jumping in New Zealand, then skydiving in Abu Dhabi, then paragliding in Australia, 
that such arcade driving in Australia, scuba in Australia, rock climbing in Vancouver, just go fucking crazy. Uh, that's that's easy whitewater rafting and kite surfing. I, I almost broke my back. I made one wrong move. I didn't know it was extreme sport. I thought it was fun. So <laughs> I actually didn't know. And then, uh, anyway, so. And I was with the lions, and actually, I made a stupid mistake. So, so you know, so I was. So these lions are tamed and pet and everything. It's not like they're wild lions, right? And and I'm crazy as usual, and and I think there are two lions. They made them sit, and they're like, "Son, go pet and then." And I'm like talking to them and trying to make the other people like uh, happy or whatever. And then I suddenly almost fell <laughs> on the lion. The lion would have eaten me, and the, the guy had to like pull me with his stick. And that would have been, I'd have been dead actually. The lion would have eaten me up. And uh, so that would be crazy. So sometimes you have to have caution. Don't go too crazy. <laughs> so, uh, uh, okay, so I had never worked out before. Okay, I had, I'd seen what the gym is. My friend had taken me to squash. I mean, I'm kind of fit, but I didn't really work out. And, and then I set myself a challenge. Okay, I'm going to do Kilimanjaro in December, end of December. And then January I went and uh, I did Kilimanjaro. And you know what the funny part is? We had people from the U.S. military. We had people from the triathlon and marathon and all that shit, okay? And they did it was me uh, in, the, in our group, okay? Like, fucking never worked out before. And the first day everyone is fine. So they do health checks every day, oxygen, all those checks, whatever, blood pressure. 10 out of 10, everyone, 9 out of 10. Then slowly then uh, towards the end, uh, everyone started having nausea vomiting, puking, all this shit, headache, the diarrhea. And for some reason, even on the last day, I'm 10 out of 10. So they, I was, in fact, discouraging the group so much because I started walking backwards, right? Like backwards. <laughs> so I was like full of energy. They're like, Sam, you're discouraging the group. Go back to the, go to the back. So I was at the back of the line for Kilimanjaro. <laughs> but it's more mental. The point here is that it's more mental strength than physical strength. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <coughs> so I climbed the highest mountain in Africa this in January. Then I climbed the highest mountain in Europe, which is Elbers. That was actually harder. I did train a little bit. I ran once a week. I swam once a week. So it's not that much, but I did train. They recommend way more, way more than that. But oh, I survived. So, so there's something called the seven summits, which is the seven highest peak in each mountain. Let's see if I can make it. I don't know. We'll see in a few years. So I've done two this year. And then I was so. I can't just go and buy a small fucking island in Caribbean. Like, that's not me. Like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to pay, like, $20,000 a month in rent. Like, I'm not going to have a penthouse. No fucking way. I still live kind of like a student. My friends would disagree, but, but, I, <laughs> but I live like a student. So first career option, I, I was thinking this year, what the fuck do I do? I can't just be like, like this. So I took a... Went to the shooting range for a month. I just shot. I want to be the best Olympic shooter. And then I actually did that six. In 10 meter range, I can shoot at this. Uh, like in this circle, which is not bad. These two are whatever, right? So. <laughs> but six of them are there. And then I still thought, okay, fuck that. It's going to take like 2024 Olympics. Maybe I'll win if I try very hard, like bronze or something. So fuck, I'm not going to do that. Then I had like Formula One. That sounds so exciting. And, and I'd watched this movie Rush and this other movie by Tom Cruise before. And I'm like, maybe I should do that. And then I went go-karting for two weeks and I spent thousands of dollars and my friends had to pull me off. And they're like, don't be crazy. These guys start when you're eight. You can never do that. So I'm like, fuck, I have to give up on that again. 
and then I was like, okay, then I have to be like, maybe English Channel, maybe I should swim that. So I actually considered it. So for a month, I went from almost not knowing how to swim to like, to doing pretty well, actually. I did like 74 lengths in 40 minutes for, in a month from almost zero. So, and then I'm like, okay, this takes five years or 10 years. And would I be known as a swimmer? I will never beat, beat Michael Phelps. Fuck that. So Mission Impossible with some realism is what the point was before. And then I went to uh, Florida, to Cape Canaveral, and I, 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 we were dealing with Tesla before, so uh, although Tesla didn't do the deal with us, we were supposed to be in all Tesla cars. But anyways, so, so I really, but I really respect Elon, and, and he's, he's awesome, I love him. I really admire him. So I went to see this rocket launch Falcon 9, and I'm like, maybe I should be an astronaut or something, I don't know, and like, it's like, and then I looked through it, I started doing research and everything. I'm like, fuck, even if I'm the best of the best, the probability is very, very, it's like one in 10,000 or something. And I have to work 10 years, and if I don't become an astronaut, then what? Right? So then I rejected this option too. And I'm at LSE. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, my parents are like, you crazy boy. Like, uh, you're, you never listen to us anyways. Listen to this. Take up, take this up as a challenge. Go to like, go do some arts course, which you have. You're in technology background. Go. So I'm enrolled in comparative politics. Hopefully, I make it through the program. I'll be very happy if I make it through the program. And uh, I'm at LSE right now, and, and uh, I got admitted. I was so happy. So, so that was a big deal for me. Actually, my dad has two PhDs, and and he was he was more happy about that than me selling my company. He said, just said, good job. Well, as I got into it, he's so excited. Fuck my life. <laughs> So this is what I'm doing, and sorry I went way overboard, but thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed our first episode on our podcast. Big shout-out to our sponsors, Accenture, Applied Predictive Technologies, First Derivatives PLC, and Stake Venture Zero. Stay tuned in for more.